Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. All right, good morning, Trinity Community Church. You braved the cold and here you are. Some of you are like, just shut up, Pastor TJ, it's cold, we get it. You're alive, you made it. You know, I want you to know, like, this is for four years, this is the coldest it's been since we've been here in four years. Now, I heard Roger came back yesterday. Did you bring this with you? No? Um, I have news. So on Thursday, the Harris clan has increased. Uh, Ty McKenna had, uh, had the baby. <laughs> Joanna Eden Harris. I've already informed all the children that they've all been demoted. <laughs> Since her arrival, everybody's promote, or demoted but her. She is promoted now, and she has the kingdom. So there you go. Um, and I, I don't know, you know, this is our first grandbaby. I, feel, you know, I don't even know what to think right now, actually. Um, it's surreal. I remember I was holding her, and you think, man, your, your babies have created babies. And um, I remember holding Ty. Ty could fit, like, right in my forearm. Um, and I remember sitting there, and I remember thinking two things. I remember thinking, first of, this is absolutely nuts to have your, your life move into another generation. And the second thing I felt was old. I mean, we're old now. I don't know what else to tell you. We're old. I don't know. Do we have like, how many grandparents do we have in here? Is there like, is there a t-shirt? Like, do I get a card? Is there, what do I do now? Is it a club? When do we meet? Do I get a decoder ring? What happens here? I don't know what to do. Um, you know, it's, it's part of life. I don't know if you know this or not, but all of us grow and become. We're human beings. We become something. And it's important for us as we grow to navigate the seasons that we're in and to understand where we are. We're not where we used to be. I remember years ago, you know, I athlete in high school and college and, and you know, I work out and do all kind of stuff. And, and as I got older, I realized I'm not able to do the things that I used to do. Uh, my, my engagement with activities has changed. Before I used to enjoy, you know, rigorous games of this and that and getting in there and banging with guys. Now I get sore watching games on my couch. You know, even my workouts have changed. It's been crazy. You know, you kind of go from, I used to play basketball, pick up basketball. Can't do the stuff like I did anymore. I could do it, but it's got to be further and far between. Um, so I, I've exchanged sports. I went from, you know, basketball stuff to softball stuff to, to I used to play tennis and racquetball. Now I've, I've, I've gone to pickleball. The old people's sport, exactly. And you know it's bad when you're playing pickleball and you injure yourself even playing pickleball. I was playing pickleball here about, oh, now, probably about nine months ago, and I, I zigged when I should have zagged, and I hurt my foot, and man, I was out of commission, I mean, for a long time because of a pickleball injury. Do you know how humiliating it is to go to the doctor? And they're like, how'd you hurt yourself? And you go, um, pickleball. <laughs> I, what, what do you say? No, ninjas attacked me. No, it was pickleball. I was pickling, and I got hurt. And the worst thing was this. It, like, wiped everything out, man. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't go to the gym. I couldn't do anything, so... It was about six months. It finally healed about maybe three months ago. I'd go to the gym three, four days a week. You have to, you know, being diabetic and stuff like that. And I remember as I returned to the gym, I had my, my workout routines. I had all my stuff. I lift weights. I do cardio stuff. I do this. And I get in the pool and I swim laps in the pool, do all this stuff. And, and in my folly, I got back to the gym and I thought, well, I'm just going to hop right in where I left off like six months ago. It'll be fine. So I hopped in, couldn't catch my breath, had to hop out real quick, 
Went in the pool, almost drowned because I just didn't have all my stuff in the group. And I realized something. You don't realize when you do something the same time, the same way, over time, how much that time builds up and it gets you stronger and makes you more effective at things. And, I, and there's a principle there. And I don't know if you know this or not, but um, there is power in consistency. There's power in rhythm. Doing that same thing over and over and over and over and over and over again. We get that in our physical lives. You get it with what you eat, what you don't eat. You get that with diet and exercise. And that's also a component of our spiritual lives as well. Do you know that? Do you know that your faith was designed to be strong with consistency and with rhythm? You know, isn't it funny that Paul did not describe our faith as a sprint? He described it as what? A marathon. It's a long race, baby. It's not just that quick little sprint because he understood this. In life, you will have ups and downs. Now, as believers, we don't, we're not tossed around like the wind. One of the things that you need if you want to have a mature faith is consistency. The goal for us as believers is to move past the highs and the lows. Now, don't get me wrong. Mountaintop experiences are great. Don't get me wrong. We're going to all walk at some time, you know, through the valley of the shadow of death. I don't know if, you've ever, if anybody's ever told you this or not. You're going to die. You're terminal. And everybody knows you're going to die, right? Unless the Lord comes back tomorrow. You know, have you ever thought about this? Almost everybody that was on the planet 100 years ago, you don't know who they are. You just don't know. Unless they did something famous or something incredibly dumb, we don't know who they are, right? Because we're all terminal. Sometimes we forget there's a natural path through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, for us as believers, we need to have a, faith, you know, a stable faith in the midst of the highs and the lows. Now, understand this. A stable faith does not mean that it's a comfortable faith. A stable faith doesn't mean that it's a boring faith. It just means that it's stable. It means that for us as believers, you know, we cannot, you know, cause whatever's going to come at us is going to come at us. You cannot, you know, you cannot affect the waves that come at you. But you know what you can do? You can affect the way that you'll respond. You have power over that. That's stability. That's consistency. Now know this. You cannot have a consistent faith when it comes to your belief system without understanding the rhythm of the kingdom. Sometimes that's where we drop the ball. We don't understand the rhythm of the kingdom. So what is the rhythm of the kingdom? For us, it's understanding the, the kingdom principle of reaping and sowing. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Galatians chapter 6. Uh, I encourage you, if you get our app at the church, the TCC app, uh, you get all my notes every week and all kind of other really cool benefits. Um, if, you, uh, if you're on the U version of the Bible, look for live events, look for TCC, and you get my notes. If you're online, welcome. Stay warm. Uh, this is where we're going to kind of hang out today. Galatians 6. Chapter 7 says this, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You'll always harvest what you plant. That's important. Look at verse 8. Those who live only to satisfy their sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing. If we don't give up. It's a powerful verse. So what can we learn from this verse that will teach us about what the rhythm of the kingdom looks like? I just want to put two thoughts in your heart today and then we're going to go back to a nice warm place. First is this. The rhythm of the kingdom begins with planting. 
The rhythm of the kingdom begins with planting. Now, I know you're thinking, well, Pastor TJ, that's a real simple concept, and, you know, it's easy peasy. Trust me, sometimes simple concepts are incredibly profound. This is one of those profound things. Beloved, before you reap a harvest of anything in your lives, you have to be intentional with what you're planting. All of us reap a harvest of something. What that harvest is, is up to you. But know this, we're all going to reap a harvest of something. I was told this years ago by a mentor that imagine your heart is a garden. It's your job to keep that garden cultivated and to keep it pliable and to keep the dirt and the soil rich so it's ready to receive the good seeds of God that he wants to plant in it. Now, I can't cause anything to grow in my heart. All I can do is prepare the soil of my heart for the seed. That's all I can do. So what I do is I cultivate the soil of my heart. You know, I, I, I weed, I laid my heart before God and I weed the soil of my heart so I get as much good ground in, inside of my heart as possible so the good seeds of the Spirit will grow. You see, we have to constantly be aware that there are seeds that are constantly being planted in our hearts. Now, the crazy thing about seeds is this. You know, some of those seeds are planted by others. Isn't it weird how seeds planted by other people can get into your heart and can affect you years and years later? How many of you remember something that somebody said something to you, like maybe 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, and it still messes with you to this day? You know what that is? It's a seed. It's a seed that somehow found its way into your heart. It's a seed that found its way in your heart. It took root, and it's starting to produce fruit. Fruit that you still have to deal with today. In fact, this is the challenge. You know, sometimes, maybe years ago, if somebody looked at you and they said you know, something like, well, you're not, you're not the brightest bulb in the box, are you? You know, isn't that great to speak like? By the way, those of you that are parents or grandparents, whatever you are, your words bring life or death. Be careful what you speak over people. Be careful what you plan into that next generation. Speak life. Don't speak death. You know, some of you had people said, you know, you hit the brightest bulb in the box, and you've carried that your entire life. Some of you have had other things you have been planted, maybe from your environment or whatever it is. All those things that have gone unchecked become seeds that get into your life. And this is the weird thing about seeds. The longer they've been able to develop in your heart and the more they've been able to grow and produce fruit, sometimes as we get older, it's hard to distinguish what's the bad seed and what we are. Everything blends and it goes together and we start to identify with the bad seeds. And I don't know why, but in, in our lives, we always find it easier to identify with the bad rather than the good, don't we? What is it? it takes 10 positive things to say to interact one negative comment that you get, one critical comment, just the way we're built. So we've our whole life, people have put, been putting seeds in us. The environment has been you know, putting seeds in us, but that's not all. We're also planting seeds in ourselves. Well, Pastor T.J., how am I planting a seed in myself? Do you know that how you speak to yourself plants a seed? It does. When you look in the mirror in the morning, what do you see? Do you see junk? Do you see not enough? You see junk. You know what? Some of y'all need to put like some scriptures by your mirror in the morning. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God does not make junk. God does not make mistakes. There are no mistakes here. None. I remember we had a, a, a young, 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 young couple in our church, like non-married, so young. They got together. Uh, she ended up getting pregnant. She was in eighth grade. 
I remember having mom and dad sitting on my couch with their daughter and, and the boy, who, by the way, they're married today and they got three kids. It's beautiful. And I remember the dad, who was a policeman, was furious. And the kid was terrified, rightfully so. And, uh, and I remember him looking at, at the boy and saying, I can't believe you did this. You, I, and you're the one. And I can't. And what's the biggest mistake? This is the biggest, I can't, it's the biggest mistake. And I stopped and I said, sir, stop. I said, this is not a mistake. I said, it happened. It was, it, it's a misfire. It is. I said, but do you think that none of this, do you think any of this escaped God's heart and his eye and his plan? I said, now you've got to make a decision. Your grandchild, what will they be? What are you going to speak over that grandbaby? I know this. No life comes onto the planet that is not ordained by, by God. How we get here, now that's another story. But God understands all of it. And they end up having a beautiful baby little girl. Beautiful family. And how they navigated that was absolutely beautiful. And not only did it, did it help their family, but it brought in an entirely other family. How you treat the seed. What do you say to yourself in the morning when you see yourself? You see, you plant seeds in yourself all the time. For good or for bad. You know what? And you also allow seeds to be planted in your life. How do you allow seeds to be planted in your life? What are you listening to? What are you looking at? What do you give access to the garden of your heart? Whatever you give access to, beloved, that's a way for seeds to be planted in your life, for good or for bad. But that's not the only way we plant seeds. Do you know that you plant seeds in your life even the way you interact with others? Do you know when you're driving and, you, and that guy cuts you off and you give him the one-way hand signal to heaven? You know what you do in that moment? You plant a seed. By the way, if you do that and you have a TCC bumper sticker, I would ask you to trade that out for a journey one. Just in that moment. I'm kidding. I talked to Mark this morning. I'm kidding. What seeds are you planting? What seeds are you planting in others and what seeds are you allowing to be planted in you? Everything we do plants a seed. Everything we say plants a seed. Your hobbits, or your, your hobbies, your habits, your social interactions, all seeds. So here's the question. The question isn't if you're planting seeds or not. The question is what are you allowing to be planted in your life? Seeds. Be aware of the garden of your life and be aware of what's being planted in you. I remember I was in my, my, my mid-20s, my, my early 20s actually, when I started to feel the effects of diabetes. I didn't know what it was. I was an athlete. I probably had it my whole life. Didn't know. Mariff was feeling weird, and I went to my first endocrinologist. I'm sitting there as like a 23-year-old, I think. And, uh, and he was a guy. He was an old-school person. And I sat down with him. And this is how he introduced me to, to diabetes. He says, Mr. Harris, he goes, you have diabetes. He says, the disease is terminal. You're going to die a painful death. I'm making this up. And I thought to myself, is there another doctor perhaps I can talk to? Maybe one that's got better bedside manner than Dr. Kevorkian? You know what I'm talking about? And he's just from a different place. And he says, in my country, when you get diabetes, it's a death sentence. He says, you'll try to fight it, but you'll lose. He says, so I would just, you know, I, I want to prepare you for the worst. And after my first consult, he gave me medication and all stuff. I went home to Rob, and I'm like, well, I mean... You better get on that eHarmony.com because I don't think I'm going to make it. According to the doctor, I thought I was doing great, but I don't think I'm going to make it. And you know what it did? He planted seeds in me that I came from a different perspective. And I started to live like 
okay, I don't know how much long I got. And I started, my, my shoulders started to droop and I started to be lesser. And it was weird. And I didn't know how to get through it. I didn't because, you know, I trusted this guy. It was weird. So about a year and a half later, he ended up moving somewhere else. And another doctor came to the group. And I sat down. And he was an older gentleman, uh, very sweet. And I sat down. And, and I'd been taking stuff and working out and doing all the stuff. And he looked at all my stuff. I still remember his accent. And I still remember my first meeting with him because he was just warm. He looked at me. And he says, hi. He goes, Mr. Harris, he goes, you've made good progress. He says, diabetes is tricky. He said, but we're going to figure it out together. He says, and he goes, with what we have now, he says, and with, with your commitment to this, he says, you're going to have a long, full, healthy life. It's going to be great. You're going to hold your grandkids. He said this as a 20-year-old. He says, it's going to be great. He goes, we're going to get through this together. And I went, ah. Oh. And he gave me stuff, and it's, it's been beautiful. Seeds. All seeds that we plant, that we get planted. We have to be aware, beloved, that people are planting seeds in us. We're planting seeds. But what kind of seeds are they? Are they seeds of fear or are they seeds of faith? Are they seeds of judgment or are they seeds of grace? Are they seeds of impossible or seeds that bring everything into the possible realm? Are they seeds of the ordinary or seeds of miracles? All of us plant seeds. All of us plant seeds. So when it comes to our faith, what do we need to do to make sure that our hearts are cultivated in such a way that the good seeds that God wants to plant in us will grow and that we'll always be, be open to what he wants to do in our lives? A couple things real quick. The first is this. We need to be tender to the Holy Spirit. Why is it important for us to be tender to the Holy Spirit? Because the ground of your heart must be tilled enough to be able to receive the seed. The Holy Spirit tenderizes our heart. The Holy Spirit prepares the garden of our heart to receive the seed. This is why it's super important that you make room in your faith for the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the Holy Spirit is like the third wheel of the Trinity. You know what I mean? He's like the third wheel after we never talk about him. We talk about God the Father. We talk about God the Son. But the Holy Spirit, we don't know what to do with him. I remember growing up in Orthodoxy, the Greek Orthodox Church, we used to call him the Holy Ghost. You want to freak a kid out, like an eight-year-old, talk about the Holy Ghost. We need the Holy Ghost in our house, like, I, you know, like Ghostbusters, you know. I ain't no ghost in this house. But the Holy Spirit, he's super important because he leads us into all truth. He prepares our hearts. He digs into us and helps us by tilling the garden of our heart so that we can be receptive to, the, to, to, to what God wants to do in our lives. So how do we do that? How do we stay tender to the Holy Spirit? We humbly lay our heart before God, and we ask him to help us to stay tender. Because here's the reality of the world that we live in. Our world makes our heart hard. It calluses us. I remember I was sitting there, I was holding uh, Joanna for the first time. I was just praying over her. You know, look at this little life, little peanut, the size of a burrito. And I'm looking at her, I'm thinking to myself, what world will you inherit in 15 years? I'm not a fatalist guy. I'm, I'm, I'm an optimist. You know, I believe God's plan is undeterred regardless of what our world looks like now. But I wonder what she's going to face. You know, I wonder what things that she'll have to deal with, those things that are going to try to harden her heart, those things that are going to try to divide her and tear her away from God. 
I prayed right in that moment, Lord, protect her heart. Let her heart be tender. This world can make the ground of our heart hard. All of us have had experiences that have hardened us. You've experienced brokenness. You've experienced pain. Pain has a way of hardening our hearts. Fear hardens our hearts. Pride hardens our hearts. Pride will make us unteachable. It'll move us from being tender to being rigid and being cold. And here's the reality about ground. When the ground is hard and dry, the seed has nowhere to go in order to grow. It just can't get through. So the goal for us as believers is to stay tender. Now, I've got good news for you. Not only is it our goal to stay tender, but it's also God's goal in his heart that you would have a new, tender, pliable heart as well. He says this in Ezekiel 36, 26. I'll give you a new heart, and I'll put a new spirit in you. I'll take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. I love that. A heart that's tender, a heart that can respond to God. And look at verse 27. It says, and I'll put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees uh, and to be careful to obey my regulations. Not only does God's spirit tenderize us so that we can receive the, 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 the seed that he wants, but he also helps us to be followers of him. You don't have to do it on your own. We have a powerful ally named the Holy Spirit. He's there to help us and to guide us and to lead us. So if you want good seeds to be planted in your heart, you have to be tender. That's the first thing. The second thing is this. You have to live a transformed life. Now, this is weird. Let me tell you why this is weird. For us being transformed as believers, this is more than just your strength of will. Transformation for us is this. It starts with this understanding. Acknowledging the work that God has already done in your life. If you're here today and you've given your heart to Christ, the Bible tells us very simply, you're not the person you used to be. Now you're brand new. Now we still have the old tendencies. We still fight the battle of the flesh and all that stuff. But understand this, beloved. You're not the same person you used to be. You've been transformed. You are new. That's incredibly important. Because understanding this, if you don't live a transformed life, it's hard for the fruit of the Spirit to grow in your life. If you don't believe it for yourself that your identity has changed, it's hard for God to do anything in you. Because in your, in your heart, in that garden, God's fruit is being produced, but also in that garden are weeds. How many gardeners do we have here? How many of you hate pulling weeds? I, pay, I try to pay my children. They won't even do that. I pay them money. I threaten them. No more food for you. Pull weeds. We don't care. We hate weeds. And I can't blame them. I hate them too. We all hate weeds, right? And weeds, it's important for, for, for to weed the garden of your heart and all that stuff. But, but this is something that we do as believers sometimes. You ready for this? Sometimes we focus so much on the weeds, we forget about the good plants and the good fruit. You don't produce good fruit if all you do is worry about weeds. Those good plants need to be cared for. Those plants need to be pruned. Those plants need to be cultivated. It's no good in your life if all you do is have holes where the weeds used to be, but nothing good grows there. As believers, we love to focus on the bad. 
How many of you came to Jesus and it was something like this? You got to come to Jesus. That means now you can't do this. You can't do this. You can't do this. And you can't, you know, don't smoke, drink, or chew, or date the girls that do, right? You can't grow good by just focusing on not being bad. We focus on the good things that God wants to do in our lives. Sometimes we spend so much time on the weeds, we never think of the good things. And when you focus on the weeds, you know what you do? You lose your identity and you forget who you are in Christ. So who are you in Christ? This is what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. If you focus on all the ways that you don't measure up, in all the ways that, that, you know, that you're bad, and you never acknowledge the good things that God does in your life, you'll never see yourself the way that God sees you. So how do we view ourselves as transformed? How does God see us? He sees you through the blood of Jesus Christ, the sacrifice of his son. Because of Jesus' death, you and I have been made new. We don't stand in our own merit because, beloved, we don't have enough to stand in our own merit. It's funny. When we take communion, we focus on Jesus and we focus on the cross and the sacrifice we made. And we should, and that's very important. But you know sometimes that we forget when we take communion? There's a story for us to be told in there as well. Because of his sacrifice, you and I are new. We've been made new. He died on a cross. He took on the joy of the cross so that you and I could be new. So I want to do something nuts just to mess with you. You ready for this? Yeah, I'm a grandpa now. I can do different stuff. I'm at a different level. We're going to take communion in the middle of the service. Get your communion element out. Some of you are like, he's done. I'm not done. I'm just, we're halfway through. It's halftime. Usher's coming out in a moment. Some of you are like, what does that mean? He's doing the halftime. You guys got to pay attention. Grab your communion element. You ready? Now, these are like the toughest things to open up. So I've already farm mine out. And for $5, she'll open yours too. Thank you. You're awesome. Thank you. Trust me, it's a bargain at five bucks. If you need a communion element, just lift your hands. I should have told you earlier because you could have been working on trying to open this the whole time. And you'd be halfway there. So we're going to do something. Get get your element real quick. I want to do something that it's a little different before we get rolling here. This is what I'd like you to do. I want you to hold it. And I want you just to shut your eyes for a second. And I want to read just a portion of Scripture. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to let this, this portion of Scripture hit your heart. I want you to take this in. So put theology to the side. Put all the stuff you have to do later to the side. And I just want you just to to breathe in this portion. This is Romans chapter 5. Starting at verse 6, it says this. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored 
by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. You were his enemy. Now you're his friend. You were apart from him. Now he's brought you close. Because of the sacrifice that Jesus made, you have been made new. Beloved, this is your identity. A friend, a son, a daughter, his beloved, the cherished one, the apple of his eye. Open your eyes. Let's take communion together. 1 Corinthians 11 says this, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord took bread, and he gave thanks to God for it. And he broke it into pieces, and he said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's take the drink together. So today, we're grateful for the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. And today, we look forward because of the cross. We don't look backward to the things that we used to be, but we look forward to who we are now in Him and through Him, and who we're becoming in Him and through Him. That's the power of the cross. That's our identity in Him. And when we do that, we walk in transformation who God created us to be now. When you focus so much on the negative, we never see the goodness and the fruit that God's developing in our lives. So here's our goal as believers, to have so much spiritual fruit being produced inside of us that there's no place for the weeds to grow. Fill the garden of your heart with good things. Don't leave any holes for the weeds to grow. Now, when we're talking about fruit, I know some of you were in Sunday school and, and you are masters of flannel graphs and you understand all that stuff. But some of you don't know what spiritual fruit is. What is the spiritual fruit that God wants to grow? Galatians 5.22 tells us. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love. Do you think it's coincidental that the first thing that Paul refers to as far as the fruit that has to develop in the life of a, of a believer is love. Do you think God put every word in the Bible, he placed it there with intention? So what does that mean for us as believers? We are marked by how we love. Did you hear me? We're marked by how we love. Not by how much we know. Not by how squeaky clean our theology is not by our awesome music. We're marked by how we love. That's what sets us apart. That means this. 
How you treat me has no bearing on how I treat you. What you say to me has no bearing on what I say to you. I will respond with love. That's what believers do. And let me tell you something, beloved. That's not easy. But that's the road we're called to walk. So you ready for this? Suck it up, buttercup, and get it done. Love well. Joy. It's another fruit of the Spirit. When you think of, cho- uh, of church, do you think of joy? Some of you think of church, you think, you think of quiet and cold where kids can never smile or have any fun. I remember we had a family come into the church. I think it was the first time they were here, and their kids were running around like banshees. Ah, they're screaming, and mom and dad were chasing them. No, no, don't do that. You're in church. Don't do that. I said, they're fine. Let them go. I said, this should be a house of joy. As long as they're not chewing things off the walls, I don't care. You know? They went down and had, what do you mean? I don't understand. So kids can actually have fun in, ch- in church? Right? And Christians, we, we don't lie. We, we, we sing lies. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Is it really? When's the last time you smiled? Right? Peace. Do you know peace is the fruit of the Spirit? Some of you are in perpetual angst. That's not the Holy Spirit, beloved. Peace is a gift of the Spirit. These are the the plants. These are the fruits that God wants to produce in our life. Sometimes we flip the value system of the kingdom around in our heads. We think, if I can just pray, I'm going to pray for 38 hours. Here we go. You know, like a a 1980s wrestler. Hey, brother man, right? This is the, don't get me wrong. You got to pray. You got to read the word. We got to do all that stuff. But this is the spiritual fruit that we should be producing as mature believers. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. If you're going to memorize scriptures, memorize this one. It's a big one. This is what God wants to do. We need to be fruit-focused, not weed-focused. Fruit-focused, not weed-focused. Did you hear me? By the way, as great as you are at identifying weeds in your own heart, you are professionally experts at finding weeds in other people's lives. So in the immortal words of Frozen, let it go, let it go, or whatever the rest of the song is. Okay? Are you with me? So how do we as believers become fruit-focused, not weed-focused? First is this, consume the word. Get your nose in the book. Why? The Bible is transformational. Every time you read the word, as little, it could be a chapter a day, it could be a verse a day. I don't care what it is. Every time you read the word, the word just saturates your heart with seeds. You read the word, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit leads you into all truth. Every time you read the word, the Holy Spirit empowers that thing and and seeds are planted. This is John 6, 63. It says this, The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. Put that on on, on your your poster board or on your fridge. The Spirit gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. Thank goodness in our churches we don't have human effort, right? Maybe? He says this, And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. The word is spirit and life. Some of you struggle because your nose isn't in the book. The word deepens us, deposits seeds in us. The second thing, again, to be fruit-focused, again, have a concrete faith. What does that mean? Your faith has got to be something that's tangible. 
You can't just, you know, make it around how you're feeling on that day, and it can't be this intergalactic thing that you and Jesus have and nobody else on the planet has. Simply this, do what God wants you to do. We're called to be what? Disciples. We're called to make disciples. Do you know what the root word for disciple is? Discipline. Eek. We hate discipline, don't we? But understand this. Part of discipline is, is good and it's healthy for you. In fact, part of discipline is this. It's dealing with the negative things in your faith. There are things that are attacking you, seeds that are trying to get planted. You have to have discipline to move past it. It's kind of like what you eat. How many of you know you are what you eat? Some of you are on the Little Debbie train right now. And it's a fun train, but it's not going to lead you to where you want to go. The same thing happens to us Spiritually. Be concrete. Get your nose in the book. Know what that concrete faith looks like. Be spiritually healthy. But again, that doesn't mean we just focus on the bad parts and the nasty things. That's only part of discipline. Part of discipline for us, too, is allowing God to plant the good things or to prune the good things so that we can produce even more fruit. So where does a disciplined life begin? It begins here. Putting God first in every area of your life. Letting him be the Lord of your life. There's a difference between Jesus being your Savior and Jesus being your Lord. We're cool with Jesus being our Savior. But when Jesus is your Lord, that means you're like, Lord, you are calling the shots now, not me. And that's difficult, isn't it? Matthew 6.33 says this. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything that you need. So this is your part. You're in charge of positioning yourself for spiritual development. We grow when we follow God's ways, when we follow the path that he has before us, when we do what he asks us to do. 1 John 5, 3 says this, loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. So we do what God asks us to do. Guys, it's not that hard. It's not that abstract. We make God the Lord of every area of our life. Ready for this? Well, he's going to talk about it. Even your money. God's concerned with where you spend your money. Do you know why? Your money shows you a direct line to your heart. It is. So he tells us to take care of that thing. He tells us this in Proverbs 3.9. He says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all you produce. Having a concrete faith means putting God first in your finances. Why are finances such a big deal? They're connected to your heart. Matthew 6.21 says this, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart are also. Your treasure's connected to your heart. And this is a funny thing. Most of us don't even realize that. You want to know where, really what you're passionate about? Grab your checkbook or look at your little app on your phone, and it'll tell you all the stuff that you're passionate about. Just look at it. You don't need me there going, hey, Pastor TJ pointed all this stuff out, and he made me feel terrible. That's not me. God does not need your money. Trinity doesn't need your money. God doesn't want your money. You know what he wants? Your heart. So you give him that. How can you tell if you struggle with this? How you can tell? The second you got to give money, if you have like a weird reaction, if you're like, I got to give, ah! And you can't even get the pen on the paper. Lord, maybe I got to hit the button. I can't hit the button! If you got a weird reaction, one plus one should equal two. But if you, if you freak out every time you got to do that, there's something in there that ain't right, beloved. Because God's, what is this? His yoke is easy and his burden is light. 
So Robin and I give, and I, you know, uh, it was funny. I didn't, you know, Daniel just kind of gave a little impromptu, you know, testimony. You can never outgive God. And I can promise you this. That's one of the toughest things for us to give as believers, to trust him with that. Like, you know, God can't give you back everything you need anyway. So I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. Some of you are stuck in your faith. Maybe that's one of the reasons you're stuck. I don't know. Talk to God about it. Start to give. Tithe. Try him out. He said this in Malachi. He says, put me to the test. See if I don't honor, if I don't honor you and bless you with this. And then do me a favor. If you start to do it and you start to see crazy stuff happen, like good stuff, let me know so I can celebrate with you. Are you with me? So you're like, Pastor TJ, you were funny. Now you're not funny no more. <laughs> Got to talk about money. You do. We reap what we sow, even with our finances. So again, first, the rhythm of the kingdom begins with planting. Be aware of what you're planting. The second, and this is incredibly important, and I, we, this is huge for us. Ready for this? The rhythm of the kingdom requires patience. We hate that word, don't we? Patience. You don't reap a harvest the second you put the seed in the ground. It does not work like that. Seeds that are planted need time to develop and they need time to grow. Are you ready for this? Now hold on to something because this is going to mess with some of y'all's theology and who you're watching on the interweb. Ready for this? Deep spiritual growth is not measured in minutes. It's measured in months. Not days, but years and decades and beyond. That's just how it works, beloved. I don't know what to tell you. One of the most crucial elements of the kingdom is patience. We need to be patient, man, that God will put everything into place. But we are an impatient society right now, aren't we? You go to the drive-thru and they don't get that order right and that thing ain't out there in two minutes, we lose our minds. You know, you make a call and if that call doesn't connect in a second, you lose, we lose our minds. Do you know what a cell phone has to do to call somebody? If I ever pick up my phone, I can call somebody like right now in Europe. I, that's nuts to me. Do you know what your cell phone has to do to make a call? How many of you remember back when your phone was connected to the wall? And you could tell if you were a wealthy place because you had one of those really long cords. You go hide in another room, right? And listen for the other side for your little brother or sister to pick up that other phone. You know, put that phone down, right? You know what your cell phone has to do to make a call? When you pick up your cell phone, there's a radio, a little transmitter in it, and it, it sends it to a tower. That tower, your signal goes to the tower, and that tower may go to a couple other towers. Eventually, those towers, depending on where you're calling, shoots a beam into space. So it goes into space, bops around into space, comes down at another tower on the planet that goes to another phone eventually. So when you call somebody, your call can go to space. Can you give that call maybe two seconds to connect before you lose your mind? It's going to space. Patience. 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 We need to be patient when it comes to the kingdom as God puts everything into place. Whether that's things in, in your life or patience with others. Because this is what happens. When we don't understand the rhythm of the kingdom, we start to speed things up. And when you do that, we act in haste. And when you act in haste, frustration kicks in, pain kicks in, and you have the ability to destroy things rather than wait for God's timing. Do you know that when you launch things too early, when you don't follow God's timing, we destroy things. 
Sometimes when it comes to God's will, we think, well, it's just yes and no. And that's not how it works. Sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no, sometimes it's not yet. And that's just as important. Not yet doesn't mean no. It's kind of like frozen pizza. Now, I hope you don't think less of the Harris family, but we're a busy family. That means sometimes in order for us to get our nutritional value, we get frozen pizzas. Now, I am a self-rising, you know, frozen pizza dough kind of guy. My wife likes the thin crust pizza. Terrible. And this is our dilemma. On those boxes are detailed instructions on how to cook the pizza so you get the frozen pizza at the optimal way it's supposed to be delivered. And there's, there's two variables usually with the pizza that you have to be aware of. The first is the temperature. That's important to the oven, right? And what's the second one? Time. How long is it going to be in there? This is usually what happens. Mine, because it's a, you know, it's a rising dough, it's a little bit longer, and it has to be cooked at a lower temperature. Robin's comes faster, and it's a higher temperature, so Robin will usually say, I'm just going to keep it on my temperature, or pick something in the middle, and let's just see what happens. And you know what happens? Both the pizzas stink. They both stink. You know, if you put a pizza in it, and it's too high, you know, and it's not long enough, what happens? It's burnt on the outside, but doughy on the inside. And I don't know if you can eat pizza dough. Maybe you get worms. I don't know what you get, but I don't like it. And if you do it the other way, where it's, it's, it, it, the temperature's not high enough and it's too long, you don't get it crispy and it's soggy and it just falls apart. The pizzas are half-baked. Now, if you're like me, you know, you have a light in the oven and you watch the pizza because you're hungry and you want it now. Or you said it with your Alexa, and you can't wait for that thing to beep off. It's pizza time, right? When you follow the directions, when you wait, the right temperature, the right time, you produce a good pizza. The kingdom operates like that in our lives. The right temperature, the right time, you get the right product. We wait. I remember years ago, you know, we were... We were the wise beyond their years couple. That was Robin and I when we were young. Now we're like old. I, I, I lost it somewhere. <laughs> it's like my keys. I still can't find them. And I remember this. And I, don't get me wrong. I produced, I, I was, we were wise as 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds. But as I get older, I'm realizing something. There are certain things that I'm able to navigate and experience now that I can only do it now because I'm 50. The seeds have taken more time to germinate and to grow. I'm not discounting anything that I, I didn't know before, but it's just, it's different now. The way I see things, even the way I communicate, I pray to the Lord that nobody ever gets a hold of the tapes of me preaching as a 20-year-old. I don't even know if they're biblical. <laughs> to be honest, with you, I don't even know. They're cassettes, you can't play them anyway, so don't, <laughs> it ain't a big thing. How do you, do you put it to your ear? What do you do with these things, Right? It's the rhythm of the kingdom. We reap what we sow. And sowing takes, or reaping takes a long time. So as believers, we have to remember this. God has designed the kingdom to unfold in our lives at just the right time. You're not going to miss it. That's how, he, that's how he developed the kingdom. Our job as believers then isn't to make it happen. This is our job. To listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and to step when he says to step. 
to move when he says to move, to go when he says to go. In the meantime, you know what we have to do? We have to walk in peace and with patience. And it's tough. Do you know those stories you read in the Bible of these cool guys like Moses? I know it's only a page in your Bible. But for some of those guys, it was 40 years before they got the promise, realized that they were told. 40 years. Some of you don't have anything in your house that's 40 years old. Not even your children. 40 years, but that's how God works. So in the meantime, if you feel restless or anxious or afraid, take those things to God because that's not the Holy Spirit. Ask Him for faith, understanding, and patience. This is the way of the kingdom. Be patient for the things that God's unfolding in your life. He'll drop breadcrumbs along the way. Sometimes what we like to do is help the breadcrumbs along. I remember um, years ago, my mother told me a story. So she you know, grew up Catholic. My dad was Greek. They got married. So if you marry a Greek, you just become Greek. It's just, it's in the, it's in the contract. I don't know why. It's just the way that it is. But my mother still had some Catholic ties. So um, I was young. I was probably about four, I think, maybe. She, uh, one of her friends invited her to a charismatic Catholic prayer, prayer meeting. You guys, anybody here have been to any of those charismatic Catholic things? <clears throat> my mom had no idea what to expect. So she's there petrified. Her little four-year-old's there with her. And she's there, and she's looking around, and a lady comes up, and she introduces herself to my mother. I don't remember this. I was too small. And she says, oh, I'm your brother. And, you know, my name's Mark, whatever her name was. She goes, I'm Rose. And they were talking. And my mom said, I'm a little nervous. I'm not used to being in a place like this. She goes, well, she goes, Rose, this is awkward. She goes, God told me to talk to you about not you but your son. I'm four years old. This is the first time that she's ever been to this thing. She gets there. She says, God just told me to tell you that your son Someday we'll speak to thousands for me. So she gets up and she leaves. My mom's like, what? So my mom, you know, she had like her Bible that, you know, I have. And her Bible was her Bible for decades. And she put a little note in her Bible of that day. She didn't know what to do. It was a brand new Bible for her. Somebody gave it to her. And she just wrote it on a little piece of paper because you weren't allowed. She was terrified to write in her Bible. And she just tucked it away. Never, I never knew anything about it. Years later, my mom and dad, they become believers. And um, years after that, I become a believer as a sophomore in high school. I give my heart to Christ. I'm still planning on being a veterinarian because my mom wanted me to be a veterinarian. And, you know, I try to do good for my mom. And eventually, I feel a call to the ministry. And I remember the night I was talking to my parents, and I said, I feel a call. I'm going to go to college and to prepare to, to, to be a pastor. And my mom and dad were both upset. My mom cried bitterly. And then God reminded her of that word that was stuck. She went and got her Bible. And she pulled out that little piece of paper that she had kept in her Bible. And she said, well, this was spoken to me. She says, and I'm just going to tell you this is what it said. And I said, Mom, that's great. I don't even know if I'm going to make it. It is what it is. She stuck it in her Bible. And I went off to school. And all these things happened. I grew, never really thought much about it. And uh, I had an opportunity uh, to go back to Pittsburgh. Uh, my mom and dad were able to go and attend, and I was speaking at a place that had a couple thousand people in it. And my mother came up to me, and she said, uh, she said, and she pulled that little thing out of her Bible again. She says, today, I've seen the fulfillment of this word. This was 25 years after she was given the word. 25 years. She was kind of like Mary. She, like, treasured it in her heart. And, you know, now my, my mom's gone on to be with the Lord. 
But the power of the seed continues to produce fruit in his time, not our time. Now, I could have tried to make the seed happen. I could have kicked down every door because that's the way of the kingdom, right? I say that to say this. Some of you are here today, and Daniel mentioned this earlier. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe you're here and you're like, you're chomping at the bit because you feel like God has you in the holding pattern. I want to encourage you. At the right time, God will exalt you. In the meantime, be patient. Serve well where he has you. And trust that the rhythm of the kingdom will unfold in your heart. Bow your heads with me. Again, Galatians 6, 9 says this. Let us not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Don't give up. So two things I want to put in your heart real quick. First is this. What is the condition of the garden of your heart? Is it overrun? Are there things in there that you need to give attention to? Is that garden, is it soft? Can you receive the seeds that God has for you? Do you have to do some weeding? Do you have to lay it before the Holy Spirit and allow him to kind of dig in there? Does he have to prune some fruit in your life? Have a conversation with the Holy Spirit right now. Just talk to him. Offer him your heart. Say, Lord, what, can, what do I need to do? Maybe you've given people access to your heart. Maybe you've given things access to your heart. And God wants to, he just wants to, to take it and, 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 and give you something new. second is this. Some of you may have been waiting for a long time. Do you need more patience to wait for the kingdom to unfold in you? Maybe God's, you know, pinging your heart today saying, I want to give you patience for others. Maybe you haven't been the most patient, you know, patient person with others. This is a fruit that God wants to develop in you. It is the way of the kingdom. Patience is the way of the kingdom. Talk to the Holy Spirit. Listen to me, too. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.